Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. When somebody has a technology and they say, no, it's going to be for Bitcoin and it's always going to be for Bitcoin, there's a couple problems. One of the outreaching problems, and a lot of people bring this up as maybe a problem for the banking system as well, is too few people own too many Bitcoins. And that is just a fact. And the other thing is a lot of Bitcoin, not a substantial, substantial amount, but percentage that is enough to talk about, is lost in wallets and cold storage that can't be accessed anymore due to people forgetting the keys, locking it up too tight. And that's just not something that we should have. That systemic risk should not be there. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode of Money Moves. Your host, Metier, as always, my co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. What's up, y'all? We cover all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance to help you on your journey to a million and beyond. Before we dive in today, don't forget to check out the new MillionMindcast.com website. We got all kinds of great stuff up there for you guys. Of course, if you enjoy the show, if you're new to the show, we always encourage, subscribe, be a part of these money conversations each and every week with us. If you get value from the content, all we ask, share it with somebody that can get more insights and value from being a part of the Millionaire Mindcast family. Leave a review. Of course, don't forget to take advantage of all of the freebies that we offer our community, the Free Financial X-Ray, Mr. Breedwell. Every single week, you offer the beautiful Financial X-Ray. What is yeah, that? Yeah, sorry, I'm staring at this beautiful. <laughs> hey, if you're watching this live, you you, let's just get that out of the way. So I just came off the mountain. Wow! From uh, the tour of Tahoe one-on-one mastermind event. Shout out to my dude Alex Ramon, who has got a residency. One of the honestly, he's the largest magician in Lake Tahoe. Um, but he, he she uh, forgot to he forgot to magically bring you some sunscreen. Oh, both of us. It was funny. We got to <laughs> dinner last night, and both of us have these big old white goggle eyes, and then the rest of our face is just beet red. So I'm rocking it today in pain, but you know how we do. Um, um yeah, free financial X-ray, y'all. What is it? It is. Um, we'll take a look at your current portfolio. We'll kind of get an idea of what you're doing, what you're looking to do. What are you paying? What do you? What do you? Uh, what is it? Would it look like if you didn't run into me and I could maybe make some financial recommendations for you? 
or integrate your real estate. If there's potential to use like life insurance at any level, we'll kind of get that going. And we'll show you how that would work all together, tax uh, from a performance tax perspective, and uh, kind of get a stamp of approval that that works from a, perf- a percentage likelihood of it working. Um, no cost, no obligation to go through anything. We just kind of have to have uh, copies of all your statements, um, ask you a couple questions, get some stuff on what you're doing. And uh, my team and I can get you onboarded and get that information to you pretty quickly. I normally have about a five to 10 day turnaround time on getting plans. So. Yeah, and that's, that's all free for anybody that just yeah. wants to dig in on your financial plan portfolio, make sure that it's doing what you would like it to be doing or, or should be doing. Using uh, life insurance, I had a gentleman that had a couple hundred thousand dollars in his life insurance policy. We're doing a 1035 exchange. So there's stuff that you can do. A 1035 is just like a 1031. It's a like kind transfer. So you guys can take advantage of that by texting the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. You can see it up there on the screen. And shout out on the life insurance. Um, how simple it is to take a loan out of your policy oh, yeah. and invest it and make some money. So I'm uh, making an investment into something that I'm actually going to be sharing with many of you guys um, here very soon. So if you're not on my deals list yet, you want to get that information before I put it out to the general public. Um, I actually think we're, I'm not even going to make it to the general public because it's going to subscribe and sell out so fast. That's how confident and excited I am about this one. But um, I'm taking a loan out of my life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. And it was like two clicks of a button. And Mail. I, I got my money and yep. now I'm investing it. I'm taking like a 3% or it was like 2.75, 3% loan. 3%, yep. 3% 3% right. loan to pull on my life insurance policy. The investment I'm putting it into is 12%. And that's annualized. So I'm going to... 9% arbitrage guaranteed from that with a potential to pull more from your policy. Freaking amazing. Shocker. I love it. Yeah. Um, so that's really, really cool to be able to do that. And for those of you that you know, have your life insurance set up, thinking about how you can play that arbitrage game strategically. Um, and if you don't have your life insurance policy set up, that's where you, you know, take advantage of the free financial x-ray. Um, and if you want to look at more deals and opportunities, get on that um, list. Get on that deals list. So just text the word deals to 844-447-1555. That being said, we got a lot of data to sift through this week. We got the Fed potentially turning their attention more towards the banking industry mm-hmm. right now than fighting inflation, or at least that's what a lot of the, the bears would like needs. to have yeah. you believe. Yep. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We've got Ray Dalio's take on the banking industry. And many other prominent um, kind of financial influencers, and yet they may be uh, pounding on that same drum that ultimately is something that is probably not aligned with where your take is in terms of where the economy is. So I want to get your take on that here in a little bit. We got affording uh, affordability housing data that came out. We've got new home sales. We've got prices um, in terms of median home prices, all data that came out, which is... I think really telling about where the market is going. So we're going to dig into that today as well. That being said, let's recap real quick on the SVB mm-hmm. collapse, First Republic, now Credit Suisse, and all of these narratives. Let me read you a couple of these so you can give us the hot take from Mr. Breedwell. All right, let's take it. Well, first and foremost, um, Silicon Valley Bank, as they continue to dig in and pull back some of the layers to the onion, there's, there's more there than what met the eye initially. And what some of the concerns and what smelled a little fishy is starting to get validated, it sounds like, right? Yep. 
And so loans to Silicon Valley bank officers, directors, and principal shareholders, as well as other insiders, more than tripled to $219 million in the final months of SBB, which is a, a record amount um, going back at least two decades, which is something a little bit unusual. The uh, bank chief executive officer, Greg Becker, just hired defense lawyers for a big lawsuit that came about um, accusing him and the bank and their executives of securities fraud, giving bad information. Now you're hearing, you know, people talk about Credit Suisse being in a really big, very similar kind of crisis when it comes to penny stock now, how they were positioned. We've got economists saying 186 banks similar to ones like Silicon Valley Bank may be prone to similar risks. Ray Dalio has called the bank turmoil a very classic event in the very classic bubble bursting part of a short-term debt cycle. We've got Ken Griffin, founder of Citadel, saying we're set up for another recession unfolding. We've got uh, Priya Misra talking about the Fed has no choice to push the U.S. into a recession. And then we got our good old... Good old Janet Yellen Janie saying, Yelly. you know what? The U.S. financial system is the safest and most liquid in uh, the world. Calm thy nerves. Grandma. What a good old grandma she is. What do you say to all of the people that are freaking out about what is ultimately some major mismanagement of bank no, funds? Definitely, yeah. But is it really fracturing the financial system the way many are claiming it to? Obviously not. Um, Consumer sentiment Speak is some is, wisdom into consumer sentiment is still at an all time low. I would say for uh, not all time or there, you know, historically we're in a low area to where we want consumers to be in. But as I said multiple times uh, on my Twitter, go follow me at Sacktown Assassin. Are you talking some shit on Twitter these days? I always am keeping people in line. Um, but what I'm trying to do is just I, these a lot of these you know people that a have these profiles that hide behind these fake names, you know, this and that and, and whatever. I don't try to sell no courses or anything. I'm just on there telling my opinions. Um, it's all a bunch of just lines. People really like to rely on lines and think that they can lay over lines. I, I can't tell you how many charts I saw of people for the last, you know, four or five months overlaying the 2008 S&P 500 and how it was so correlated. Now everybody stopped that because it's no longer correlated. I mean, you can find a story kind of like when we were back in COVID and fit it Support to your narrative whenever you want it. Um, it just doesn't mean it's going to pan out. I think a lot of people are getting uh, the banking thing with SVB and Signature Bank and uh, Silvergate all kind of messed up and thinking that it's a 2008. And they're just not the same. They're the same size banks in almost in value in 2008 numbers. But you need to have a couple trillion dollars in assets to be a systemic um, part of our banking system. Just to uh, catch everybody up as well, Credit Suisse has zero ties to our financial systems. That is a European bank. They have nothing to do with our financial system. And why, why have they been bringing that up, right? Is it because, oh, this is more of a globally interconnected financial system than people may think it is? Historically, Credit Suisse, uh, I would say up until and through kind of the dot-com bust era, was considered a high-quality place to Put your money. So I just think that those names might be losing some of their steam. And you're going to see that some of these smaller banks ultimately get absorbed by the larger banks, which would ultimately happen kind of anyway. Um, when Is that a bad thing, though? Um, 
Mm. A lot of people talk about the emphasis and importance of our regional and, you know, smaller banking institutions. And I guess my, my question to you from your perspective would be is, is that a bad thing of those getting rolled up into bigger banks? Or is it something that ultimately is being overemphasized and not as big of a deal for small businesses and, and companies that get a lot of their banking relationships from those regional players? Yeah, I think that um, the idea of regional banks is extremely important, but I do think some of the larger banks will probably absorb the smaller banks and then they have to, they would likely be forced by regulators or I think it'd be a smart business decision to tranche the business lines and say, hey, we're going to have this. This is JP Morgan Chase, but this is going to be, you know, a different name of something. It's, you know, something by JP Morgan Chase. And that's their regional banking arm. And they maybe have a little bit looser around the belt um, for some of the things that that specific area works on. Maybe in the Midwest, they are agriculturally focused. Maybe on the uh, coasts, they have a lot more um, marine and shipyard financing and stuff like that. That's maybe more specific to just that bank in that area. But I ultimately, a lot of the banks that are are small are just kind of stagnant in growth and aren't really doing much. And besides providing an, um, a personal relationship, which I think is what a lot of people don't want to lose and kind of that hometown feel, um, I don't think they're providing much more than the current banking system is by a large lender. Minus, as I was saying last week, I think larger banks and banks as a whole need to start paying more yield uh, and should be required to by law to their depositors. Because <clears throat> right now I, I was looking at some of the, I mean, the the yield like on my savings account at uh, Chase for my business is like two basis points. And there's a lot of money in there for expenses and taxes, and I'm not getting anything. And I know Chase is using that money and making a lot of money with it. I think there should be a happy medium to where people aren't getting dragged so far over the coals. And I think that would also help with depositors not having these runs on withdrawals, which is what's been happening to most of the banks. Has there been any major <clears throat> runs that have really no. stressed any banks beyond, you know? First, Re First Republic had a little bit of uh, stress and they reached out to regulators and let them know, hey, we're financially sound to our held to maturity securities. We have really high quality loans out to corporations and a lot of institutions. We have a small but healthy mortgage portfolio. Um, but we would probably do well having this injection of capital if it was at all possible. And that's where they got about $5 billion um, from the big banks. And that's they got that it. from what, J.P. Morgan? J.P. Morgan, Wells, City. Uh, you know what I find? Ones. I think this is a perfect example, and it may not be what certain people want to hear. You know, uh, I don't mind it because you, you don't hate the player, you hate, hate the game kind of thing. And I think if you can learn how to play the game correctly in terms of money, you're going to stumble into opportunities and be capable of taking advantage of those opportunities in a way that will change your financial future. Mm -hmm. the, the big grand scheme of what, let's say, Wells, JP Morgan, and whoever else, I mean, st the, their stock was really low, right? Uh, was the getting hit First Republic bit. was getting hit. Oh, yeah. In a big way. Oh, yeah. And yeah, what I'm saying is, is ultimately, there were a lot of people who understood the game that was being played in that moment that bet on with their kind of financial savviness and literacy 
that the bank was going to do really well and, and make a comeback, especially when you got big players backstopping it and right giving their vote of confidence and financial support. Yep. And therefore, the people that had the wisdom and understanding of the game and the capacity and capability to invest in the bank at that point in time, they did really damn good. I know somebody that did. Yes. And it's... uh. I knew that I know that that bank is going to be around for quite some time. And potentially, there still could be a so anything can happen. Yeah, right. But well, there's um, but I guess what I'm JP Morgan essentially has stepped up and said that they would backstop that bank if it if it needed to. Right. And um, and so all I just I'm don't think they're going to need to. And all I'm saying is that's just one example, right? I think it's a recent example, and it's a prolific example of if you're an investor and you have put in the time and the energy to build up the right resources and team around you to have right the right skills and knowledge to make informed and educated and disciplined decisions and you understand the space and the game that you're playing in whether it's real estate investing when an opportunity comes that mm-hmm. you know may seem risky or scary to some but you have the right counsel you have the right resources you have the right you know, disciplines that put you in a position to capitalize on that, whether that was in 2020 in the stock market, whether that's something like right now that's going on in certain areas and sectors of the industry, whether that's in crypto. I don't know. I'm just saying (gasps) being an individual that is playing this game and, and working to build skills and resources and disciplines in this game you play it long enough, if you're consistent enough and you are diligent enough, mm-hmm. you're going to come out ahead. And so I just thought that was, I think we're heading into a season where there's going to be more of those. There's always those opportunities around, but I think there's going to be more of those opportunities in abundance um, just because of the current climate and landscape that we're heading into. What are your thoughts on that? I'm extremely excited to get towards the end of the year because I think the market's going to have a really aggressive rebound and have something that's like, when interest, I think what people are discounting or are too heavily putting in right now is a pivot, but I do think there's going to be rate cuts. I might have even undershot it, like I said, to three quarters of a percent by the end of the year, but maybe even up to maybe one percent by the end of the year. And that's what the Fed futures is is saying right now. And I think there's probably going to be, um, am I jumping the gun on getting the interest rate? You can do that. Okay. I was going to say, I think it's a, I think there's probably going to be an interest rate hike of a quarter percent the next meeting. And I think, maybe at the next meeting and meeting after they're going to pause and kind of cruise and see what happens and really let the data catch up to um, itself. Because what I've been saying has now started to pan out and show that there is more, the lagging data is catching up to what we are currently seeing. I bought 18 eggs yesterday. It was seven bucks. Oh baby. It was all, it was, it was $13 a few weeks ago. So Things are inflation and, and, and supply chain is starting to catch up on itself. And I think I know that eggs is just a funny one to talk about, but I think that everything is starting to come back in line. Um, interest rates have snapped down a little bit. Bond market, uh, bond yields, the two-year, the five-year, the 10-year are, are way lower than they were, almost 100 basis points below where they were uh, just 30, 45 days ago. So we're having, we're having better outcomes and I think I even anticipated, but it is leading me to still really feel strongly that we should have interest rate cuts at the end of the year. That's interest rates going down is good for the stock market, good for people getting into the real estate market because you got to leverage into it. And so everybody's going to start winning again. And I'm really excited for 
that day to come because gosh, it's been exhausting about 16 months going through this uh, like technical recession. Yeah. I mean, I, from Goldman Sachs and we got a question from Jesse that we're going to get to here a second. Um, guys, feel free to input your, your questions live and we'll be sure to try and get to all of those that we can. You know, it sounds like the inflation problem actually is becoming a, a, I don't want to say less urgent now than last summer because near-term inflation expectations have really fallen sharply, right? And Mm -hmm. we're starting to see some of that data catch up. Like you said, at the same time, you don't want to see the Fed taking their eye off the ball too much with that, right? So it sounds like they're going to continue to raise rates to the point where raise rates, let's see if that data catches up. Ideally, they want to, they kind of said what, they want to get it up, the Fed funds rate up to five and a quarter, five and a half percent. I think they're going to reassess that to four, seven, five, five and a quarter. And we're going to be ahead of that. They're going to notice they're good. They're going to be ahead of that if they don't cut uh, come likely around July time. Yeah, because the Fed's kind of tight roping a, a tough act. They didn't, they're trying to fight inflation. And all of a sudden now there's all this uproar about SVB and the collapse of the financial banking system. And now all of a sudden over the course of the last week, in light of all of this, your favorite conversation and topic. Yes. Crypto. I, lo- I don't hate Balaji Srinivasan. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, billionaire entrepreneur and investor has set crypto Twitter on fire by predicting that Bitcoin will hit 1 million within 90 days. He, me- he oh, believes man. most banks in the U.S. are insolvent. Hyperinflation is imminent. And the U.S. is going to see a civil war. Most U.S. banks are insolvent. Well, I mean, this guy is obviously very go. Um, go positive on, uh, you know, the U.S. as a whole. But this kind of, you know, ties into Jesse's question. I think you and I are both of the camp that no, no, no chances. Crypto no. or Bitcoin going to no. jump that way. No. That being said, just give your quick thoughts on, on that. Um, I just don't like Bitcoin because what Bitcoin wants to be and needs to have to achieve that is not something that the federal government will want or allow, nor do central bankers want or will they allow. Mm-hmm. Um, so just swallowing that pill can, say, can kind of suck a little bit when you want to be in that type of, have that type of um, anonymity and, and blockchain technology. What I think that the crypto space has done for the financial system as a whole is it's going to improve it because blockchain technology needs to be adopted by the finance system, by the real estate system. Um, I think that NFTs have a really good space for contracts or for um, keeping like personal data, like an ID or a passport, something personal that's safe that only I have. the. That's where that technology goes. But if when somebody has a technology and they say, no, it's going to be for Bitcoin and it's always going to be for Bitcoin... There's a couple problems. One of the outreaching problems, and a lot of people bring this up as maybe a problem for the banking system as well, is too few people own too many Bitcoins. And that is just a fact. And the other thing is a lot of Bitcoin, not a substantial, substantial amount, but a a percentage that is enough to talk about, is lost in, in wallets and cold storage that can't be accessed anymore uh, due to people forgetting the keys, locking it up too tight. And that's just not something that we should have. That systemic risk should not be there. Is our current uh, financial system perfect? No, I think it's long in the tooth and it needs to be updated with you know the way that we currently do banking and do finances. But is crypto the answer as it currently stands? No. And we can see that with the FTX collapse. Um, we can see that with um, 
still a lot of transactions used for Bitcoin are typically fraudulent, even though a lot of people use it for a good reason. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. And I'm not saying one cryptocurrency is better than the other. I prefer uh, things like um, ETH, Ethereum. I have, I have Algorand. I have some Solana. I have uh, Polygon. I have Ripple. I've had Ripple for many years. Those are the types of projects that I have some of my money involved in. But I, I don't have any money, nor will I ever have any money in Bitcoin, just because it's not something that I personally... Um, and I've, I get some behind the scenes info too. And I see what regulators are trying to push through as far as what they want to do to uh, Bitcoin specifically. And we can get a taste of that looking at the SEC uh, case with Ripple. Ripple is likely going to come out uh, above on it, but it's been years that they haven't been able to trade that asset, um, use it in the United States. And that just is a glimpse of the power that regulators have for that asset class. So I would caution anybody away from Bitcoin, but I think you want to speculate with a small portion of your uh, money. I have about uh, less than $10,000 in crypto, and I don't mind anybody knowing that. I have a lot more in, in individual stocks, and I would, I'll keep doing that and real estate. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Yeah, I think that ties into Jesse's question here, which is, you know, relating to like, you're obviously not a fan of Bitcoin, but you're not not a fan of crypto as a whole. It's just got a long ways to go in terms of utility, functionality, and really having rules to... Bitcoin tanking, Jesse, was its its test to see if it was a hedge against inflation, and it's clearly not. It had its chance to kind of do that this this year, and... um, so did gold, and gold didn't also didn't do super high. Um, so I don't I don't think there's really truly any hedge against inflation. I just think that real assets typically appreciate better in high inflationary markets. But Bitcoin has no um, something that you always have to come back to is. And I was having this conversation with another person on Instagram. 
what is Bitcoin worth? It's worth something and the units that it settles in is dollars. You're ultimately always going back to dollars. You're going to a fiat, you're settling in a fiat currency. Um, so Bitcoins are never going to be worth Bitcoins. And that's where, that was where it would have to be for it to be what it wants to be. And that's just never going to happen. So my recommendation, there's a lot of down companies and in, in stocks that are down a ton. Matt and I both have individual stocks that are up over 100% through this current market environment. A lot of stuff that is down as well. Um, but I would buy some stocks and actually buy stuff that I know it's not sexy, but I promise you, besides the people that are flashy on the internet, there's no super rich people with a ton of money in cryptocurrency. It's just not. And there's a reason for that. That being said, on that same narrative in vain, I think it's interesting to see the recent release of existing home sales data. Yeah, up way more than expected. In- expected to be up. Increased to... I mean, it blew out expectations. Increased to 4.58 million. 10% increase versus about a 3% increase. 14.5% increase. Is that four? In February. No, it was 4 million prior and it was 4.5, right? 4.58, yeah. Dog, I don't know where, what universe I'm in, but I believe that 10% is about 500,000. 500, yeah, well, 10% of one. Existing home sales surged 14.5% in February. I'm just doing pure math. Tone, am I crazy over here? Is that at least sounding like I'm not crazy? I'm just reporting out of the calculated risk blog. So we'll, we'll double check that for Dang you guys. Calculated risk. That being said, the median existing home price for all housing types in January was 363, which is a decline of 0.2% from February of 2022. Um, this drop in prices, though, uh, ends a 131% consecutive months of year-over-year increases, the That's longest impressive. on record, which is pretty wild. So we that talked about impressive. being in the, you know, the, the eighth and the ninth. It's almost the tenth, 12 years. 11th extra innings, right? And That's 11 and a half years. Talk about a bull run, right? Wow. Oh, now, way longer than the last stock. Uh, so, so this is what I found yeah. to be really interesting is, you know, existing, and this, again, we'll, we'll double check this, but existing home sales surged 14.5% in February, ending a 12-month streak of declines. I think I'm saying that on the, from the prior report is what I'm saying. Because uh, 10% of 4 million is 400,000. There you so, go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So what's interesting to me, I think, is especially with kind of the whole sentiment in the market, with inventory being as low as it has been, right? You know, active single family inventory was up week over week, 0.4%, nothing big, but still down almost 50% from 2019, same week. Yep is people are really banking on real estate long-term. If, if they don't feel comfortable with what's going on with the stock market, if they don't feel comfortable in other investment opportunities or vehicles, they're still banking on real estate being one of the best stores of value for them in terms of their personal residence, whether it's an investment or not, in that perspective to them, it still shows that even in this climate, even with rates as high as they were, and we did obviously see a, a drop in wait, rates the yep. last week, but still that's not going to encompass all of February numbers. Home sales surging almost 15% in February. I don't want to say it's shocking to me, but it, it, it shows that there's still a lot of confidence in the housing market altogether. And also I'm sure a little softening of prices are you know 
bringing people back into the market with the rate softening up, prices softening up based on what data we're seeing here, but existing home sales jumping 15%. That's pretty aggressive. Yeah, inventory um, just being as low as it is too is going to keep that driver moving that way for as long as... 100%. President yeah. um, Lawrence Yoon, uh, chief economist of National Association of Realtors, you know, basically noted because of how little inventory we do have and with that little drop in rates multiple offers are returning on a good number of properties. So depending on what happens with rates by the end of the year, depending on how all this data catches up, I mean, we may not see a very big drop in the real estate market at, at all. I mean, we were talking 10, 13, maybe 15%. Now we're I'm seeing... still it, keeping my 13. We're seeing adjustments of, you know, different I'm gonna authorities and, and data providers, you know, ranging from four to eight percent now. So it's gonna be interesting to see. But I think at the end of the day, if people keep waiting for these black swan catastrophic events to get in and get started. And again, going back to why we don't try and time the market, you know, it's it, it's it's gonna our continue to run. Our inventory will likely catch up when interest rates go back down. There's gonna be a flood of people that will sell. And so it'll go back to being like a buyer. Uh, it'll still be like a buyer's market because there'll be ton. And that's our inventory is going to be existing inventory. It's not going to be new, new builds like it was through COVID. They they tried to build to catch up. It'll be people that bought in 2019, bought in 2020 that now are, are at their cap gains waiver and can sell these houses and move to different areas because it was their first home. It was their second home. They want a custom home. That'll be the pop in the, uh, in the inventory because we can't build fast enough to catch up with inventory. No. It, it's not, it's feasible. Sure. If we were China and we use like, you know, forced labor and make people work 19 hour days, we can't do that though. So the way that the inventory is going to catch up is, is organically through people saying, Hey, I'm going to sell my house and buy another house that already exists from somebody else. The old school way. It's not going to be, Hey, home builders are popping out 1.9 million new homes every month. And we're finally catching up. It's just not possible for them to do that. The craziest statistic that I found really interesting from Black Knight uh, Data, which is ultimately one of the largest mortgage providers, if not the largest mortgage provider of data um, on the overall economy as a whole, more than 40% of all U.S. mortgages were originated in 2020 or 2021 yeah. when the pandemic drove borrowing costs to there historic lows no and triggered... <laughs> right? No. Yeah, it's not going to so, be a refi boom like people are thinking that, oh yeah, interest will drop. There'll be another refi boom. No. If you were thinking about becoming a lender because of that, heed our warning. That will not happen. That being said, if you find, again, good opportunity, something that meets your buy box or your investment criteria, or it's something that you plan on staying or being in for quite some time, and, and it works, and it pencils, and, and you can you know ultimately sustain through an extended period of time, no matter what rates do. Now, if they cut lower, right, now you're looking at obviously a good opportunity to, to increase a margin or lower your, your costs in terms of your, your rate and your, your payment dropping. So there's opportunities out there still. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing and talking to more and more people right now that are seeing more and more distress in these little micro pockets. And that ultimately is coming back from a lot of investors who did poor underwriting, thought this blue sky was going to continue to run forever. Rents were going to continue to climb forever. Home values were going to continue to run forever. And ultimately, with a lot of that changing, it was how long, you know, you heard that statement. When the tide goes in, you see who was swimming naked. 
many people were swimming and scattering and trying to, you know, do whatever they could in the meantime to try and fix some of these things. But I've heard of some pretty, um, pretty big opportunities of individuals in my network that, and these are, again, starting on the higher levels, they will work their way down into smaller and lower levels of investment opportunities. But some of the big, big players and some bigger opportunities um, are starting to show cracks and, and starting to work themselves out. I'm seeing people, you know, give up GP interest. I'm seeing people, you know, ultimately hand opportunities back off to who they partnered with or invest, um, the banks that they, you know, had short-term uh, debt with. There, there's some interesting stuff happening right now. So just be a pain, paying attention to that because obviously I'll continue to keep you guys posted on what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing. But um, I think there's going to be more of that stuff happening in the coming months. And obviously, depending on, again, what does the Fed do? What do rates do? What is the economy as a whole? What is, you know, there's, there's so many moving pieces in this overall puzzle, you know, right now. It's, it's just hard to really. Yeah. Nobody's ever been here before. Yeah. It's this just, is the nice, the fun part about it is nobody's ever been here or gone through this again. So I sound like a contrarian a lot just because I might have a fresh perspective, but the fresh perspectives are turning out and painting out a lot more than the old way of doing things. I just think we haven't had QE for a long time. Um, it's, it's less than 20 years old in our financial system. So um, a lot of the stuff that people look back and, and, and model off of is not as accurate as the last, let's call it 14, 15 years of data to look back out and model as. Um, so nobody's really been here before. Nobody's gone through a market like this. This will be my first time going through it. But um, the thing we can do is make best guesses based off of uh, what is happening, what has happened, and how does that apply currently and look moving forward. My guess is, again, that the S&P is going to end somewhere around the 4,400 zone. That's another 10% move on the S&P before year end, and I'm sticking with it. I love it. Well, you guys heard it here first. We appreciate you guys tuning in live. I know you guys wanted to see the goggle tan and, you know, the bright red face. Uh, so of course, you know, I'm rocking it in style. I walked into, <laughs> into the subway to get my sandwich <laughs> 10 minutes ago and the lady you goes... You got subway? Yeah. I'm about to go get subway. Yeah, absolutely. I got to gotta keep the fuel. I came straight from I've the mountain feeding, to here. I've been feeding too right now. I'm dedicated. Yeah, you do with that caterpillar on your lip. That's for sure. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but she, she laughed and she was like, oh, you were on the slopes, weren't you? You had no sunscreen for you, man. <laughs> you know, so it was... she tell you about yeah. a summer sausage as well? She that's a beer. That's a beer fest joke for anybody. That's oh, okay, I was like, I missed that one, and no, she didn't talk <laughs> sausages with me. Uh, but if you guys enjoyed today's show, be sure to leave a review, share it with a friend, a family member, somebody that you know can get some value from being a part of these conversations. I appreciate you guys tuning in live. This is fun. Love the questions coming in. We're going to continue to keep serving you guys as best we can, and you know we're an open book, so yes, we will we give you our best guesses. We will try and get through and sort through as much of the data as possible, so that way well, you don't have to take your precious time to do that and ultimately distill it down into something that is valuable for you in terms of making money moves that serve your financial goals. So if you're not subscribed, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. If you haven't taken advantage of the free financial x-ray and you want to connect with Ryan and his team, uh, you can see there on the screen, just text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. My investment opportunity that I'm extremely excited about, something I've been working on for about eight, nine months. Um, we're going to be uh, opening this up. I know it's going to subscribe and sell out because um, I'm only taking a certain amount of subscription on this first go around because we don't want to go too big too fast. 
that being said, if you want to get notified of what that is, I'll be sharing more in the you know the coming weeks. But uh, you can text the word deals to 844-447-1555. And if you're not on my text letter, text the word notes, 844-447-1555. That being said, appreciate you guys. Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really in most cases, overcharged, and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word deals to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last Don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level, we've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.